Lauren, this has been a great show. Uh, in fact, my guests are all still sitting here enjoying their donuts, and uh, you've got one in your hand as well. Actually, I do. Yeah. Um, what did you get there? That's the uh, cinnamon roll. I did. I love cinnamon rolls. Well, today's your lucky day, sir. This has been a great show. We have had in studio, well, my family. We've had uh, for, I don't know how many times it's been, but he's certainly a fan favorite, Dr. Alan Steen. Good morning. Goody good morning. You're welcome to, yeah, you can speak with your mouth full of, uh, you're the sticky buns guy. That's, that's what that is. And you brought along your cousins from Chicago, Stuart and Marlena. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much, Judd. I love having the perspective. We've had the good doctor on several times. We kind of know his story, but it's nice to hear a few stories from others about him and a little bit about the family history. And stay tuned, folks, because I heard a story that I wasn't aware of that involves my family's winemaking history. Thank you, Stuart, for bringing that up. Uh, Lauren, before we start the show... We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is available at juddshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. That's right, Lauren. Visiting information is there. We love to host folks, whether you're a Napa native, a Napa neighbor, a Napa visitor. Come see us. We will show you our award-winning hospitality along with our critically acclaimed wines. And I can back that up with proof. Just listen to the show. While you're online getting our visiting information... You can have a look. We've got some fun videos. We've got, uh, boy, we've got, you know what we've got, Lauren? We've got wine. Well, just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, no capitals, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night, whether it be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or, heck, even at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's true. The website, as you would say, goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 300 and... 365 days a year, or 366 in case of leap year. It, it, that, is, that is true. Thanks for... The, let's get technical. Um, and if you join the wine club, it is free to join. You're guaranteed to try all the wines, get invitations to great events, happenings around the globe. We'll take care of you. You will have fun. You will enjoy. And speaking of enjoying... This is a great show. I could not have enjoyed it more. Thank you again all for coming today. And um, let's do the show. And now, enjoy the show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of finkel fun. Get ready for another heap of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people. On Judd's Napa Valley Show No stale script and no rehearsing Live from a Napa studio You may be that intriguing person On Judd's Napa Valley Show Pardon me, I'll have a Chardonnay A marvelous date, it's hard to say I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc It's a must-have on the podcast It's Judd's Napa Valley Show You can't ease this flow If I elaborate over a Cabernet My buddy's the truth You should study my man Juddy And learn something new Far up in the deep blue sky, great white clouds are floating by. All the world is dressed in green. Many happy birds are seen. Roses bright and sunshine clear. 
show that lovely June is here. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studios at Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Shad Finkelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. How are you, sir? What is the latest in the world of you? Well, Judd, first of all, I am so happy and overjoyed. Do you know why? I would love to find out. The Golden State Warriors are NBA champions once again. High fives. Now, what is, yeah. this, what, what is this you're talking about? Who? What? <laughs> the NBA champion Golden State Warriors. That is, let's see, NBA. That stands for never borrow against, wait, what is that? The National Basketball Association. Oh, fun. Is that something you're involved in? Yes. Because I recently sung the Star Spangled Banner for them with the Everybody's a Star organization. Of course, everybody's excited about the Warriors. That's great for the community. And, 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 and I owe it all, as does uh, the entire Warrior Nation, owe it all to you. If it weren't for your Golden Pipes singing the national anthem at their game on, do you remember the date? March 16th. March 16th, this would have never happened. So thank you, Lauren Mole, on behalf of all Warrior fans across the world. Well, you're very welcome, John. Yes. Are, is there video of that anywhere? Uh, I don't think there is. No, unless somebody did it on the... It's not on Everybody's a Star? Uh, .org? No. 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 Do not talk about that again? Sure. Everybody is a Star is a nonprofit organization based in Sonoma that helps special needs individuals like myself... Uh, showcase our talents in professionally made broadcast quality music videos. And the website is? www.everybodystar.org. And when folks go there, they can see? Me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Along with many other great uh, music videos. That's right. And uh, how often is this website available? 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Is that so? Actually, it is. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Everything else good? Life's Every, good. Everything else is great. But, you know, I don't think we've ever talked about this, Judd, but uh, I hear there have been a couple of uh, changes to the weekend lineup here at KVON, one of which involving one of our former guests. Ah. Welcome, Jeff Davis and On the Wine Road. Yes. Yes, indeed. Jeff Davis, uh, who has had his successful radio show, On the Wine Road, for many years. I was about to say he was a guest on my show, but I think I was a guest on his show. And actually, the way we played it is... During one interview, we were the guest on each other's shows. We both ran the same show on each other's shows. It was kind of fun. That was so much fun, Jeff. Yeah. I loved it so much. So, because I've been thinking about this, because now that you and Jeff are both on the same station, here's what I think. Maybe you could alternate guest hosting duties from time Maybe to time. Maybe we can do that one of these days. Yeah, that would be so talk. much fun. Yeah, it's nice to know I've got someone in the stable yeah. and vice the verse. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so... uh so what's been going on with you, John? Oh, I don't know. It's yeah, a beautiful day. This, yeah, what's with this little uh, Napa police badge that you have on? Oh, well, this this was given to me this morning at Buttercream. If anybody is oh. uh, is out and about in Napa this morning, go by Buttercream Bakery. The Napa Police Department is out there. Not looking for trouble. They are looking for donations and spreading the word about Special Olympics. And if you go by there, they have a little tent in the parking lot, and then they have what they call the cops on top. There are some police officers on the roof of the bakery with a dangling bucket. And if you put in any money, it goes right towards the Special Olympics. And uh, you also get a little certificate for a free donut. And I was given, because I put a little in there, I got my Napa Junior Police 
star that I'm wearing <laughs> right Good. now. I'm proud of that. I've been thinking about it. I've been reflecting. I needed something to, to cheer me up a little. Actually, this, this day, June 12th, is the date. And this goes down as one of the, actually a very happy day in my history. This was the, the day I graduated from middle school. Um, yeah, that was a happy day. Middle okay. school is not the easiest. It was, a, it was back in 1942. It was a very turbulent time in the world. Um, you know, my mother picked me up, took me down to Hollywood Boulevard, and we got a hot fudge sundae at the famous C.C. Browns there on the boulevard, which is a very rare treat because of the uh, sugar rationing at the time. Uh, you didn't get a lot of treats like that uh, down the block. Uh, Casablanca was playing at the Egyptian. We didn't get to go see it because all the money was going towards the effort at the time. And, you know, we were really showing uh, Jerry a thing or two over there in Europe at the time. But, uh, you know, as I look back, uh, glad to be here now with you, right. Mr. Lauren Mole, and our guests who we're going to introduce in a moment. I do want to bring up that happy things are coming. August 18th is the second annual Kindness Day here in Napa Valley. So details are coming, but put it on your calendar to spend the morning and early afternoon up in Yauntville with uh, the Be Kind Napa folks, and details will be on the Facebook page of Be Kind Napa. So look that up. Speaking of Be Kind Napa, uh, Sunday, June 24th, will be Be Kind Napa Day at the Silverados, Napa's new professional baseball team. It is so fun. So it's a 1 p.m. start, and all the details will be at silveradosbaseball.com. Get your tickets now, see a game, and support kindness in our community. The Be Kind kids will be there passing out their famous Be Kind buttons and giving information on the uh, Kindness Day. And lastly, I just want to mention that come see us at Judd's Hill. We got good things going on. We are still ranked as the number one specific thing to do in Napa Valley via TripAdvisor. And that is due to our, there's a couple general things that are like one and two on the list, like go wine tasting, book a tour. But like, as far as a specific place to go, Judd's Hill is number one, due in fact, uh, in part to the fact that we've got great, this is a fact, this is not opinion, this is fact, great customer experience, uh, great hospitality, and great wines. And to back that up, we just received word from uh, the Critics Challenge International Wine Competition that three of our Cabernet bottlings ranked very highly. Our 2015 Kairos Vineyard Cabernet gold medal, our 2015 Founders Art Reserve gold medal, and our 2015 Rutherford Cabernet Sauvignon, 98 points, platinum medal, Best in Show Red Wine, and Domestic Wine of the Year. Ah. Can you believe that? Impressive. I read that off. I couldn't believe it. I said it out loud, and uh, our winemaker, Eric Lyman, was in the room, and he, he thought I was pulling a prank on him. And when I showed him, he said, can I give you a hug? <laughs> we had a big hug, and I think we were both crying a little. So that is something we're very proud of. It sounds maybe like a boast. I don't mean to be boasting, but I'm just very proud of the team we have in hospitality, our winemaking, and I want everybody listening to come visit. We love hosting our neighbors in Napa and people, of course, visiting the valley. Visiting information is at www.judshill.com. That's right. Come see us, and if you want to guarantee that you get some of these wines... You know, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club. It's, it's the best around, in my unbiased opinion. That's all I've got to say about that. We have some guests here, Lauren Mole. Let's introduce them. Okay, Judd. As none of us get any younger, for life's wisdom we desire and hunger. 
With this, our guests buzzing, and he brought along his cousins. It's our old pal Dr. Steen with Marlena and Stuart Unger. How about that? Good morning. Good, 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 good morning. morning. Can I get you to lean forward Mr. right Dr. on Steen, that you uh, get microphone? To the microphone? There yes. you go. You know, you're a veteran. You've been on this show so many times. He's taking that nonchalant attitude, leaning back in the in the chair. But Dr. Alan Steen, we have introduced you many times. I don't know if this is your fifth, sixth. Lauren probably knows. Apparently, <laughs> I don't. See, if you, Lauren's lost track, it's a lot of times. But you've been on the show many times, not only as Napa Valley's greatest character, but to share a little bit about how to enjoy life, how to get through it, happy, healthy. And can I, can I mention that a birthday is coming up? Can I, can I do this? Officially, I give you the permission, yes. Yes. All right, so I'm going to say this. And nobody, I think, that knows you would, would guess, but this coming Saturday, you will be 90 years old. That is the straight and uh, the, the truth, yes. Yeah, yes, indeed. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your attitude. Now, uh, that, But you mentioned attitude, and we're going to get into this. You brought along, because in town for the occasion are dear cousins. You've got your first cousin, Stuart Unger, over here, and his wonderful uh, wife, Marlena. And we're so happy to have you guys in studio. I figured as long as you're in town... We did a little something like this around Thanksgiving, where we just brought the family in and pretended it was Thanksgiving and just saw what happened, and it, it was fun. So. Yeah, things just went wrong. Things went crazy here in the studio, John. <laughs> it was it was a little nuts. So today, I'm hoping for a little nuttiness. I'd love to get some stories, some remembrances, but uh, yeah, and a little less squeaky chairs. That's true. And Nap, uh, welcome back to Napa Valley. You're visiting from Chicago. It's nice to see you. Thank you, Jed. Yeah, great to see you. May I also add my, I'm, I'm delighted that my cousins are here. They're wonderful people, and they're just perfect guests, and it's a, a great pleasure to have them. And they're staying with you, um, and so far so good? Well, uh, I think as long as they pay the rack rate, it, it <laughs> probably it'll work out. I don't know um, who said it, and I couldn't imagine this would be true with you guys, but I, there's that saying out there that, you know, house guests are like... Uh, was fish. yeah fish you know after three days it gets a little stinky so well, well, um, so far they're on ice and doing well <laughs> okay well I'm glad that everybody is here you know I'm not you've been on the show so many times we've talked about your world travels and this year even leading up to this milestone has been no different how many countries have you visited just this year alone doctor well, since the first of the year, we've been in seven countries. Is that right? Let, yes. Recap that for us, will you? Well, let's see. I, I can't hardly remember. Mostly in <laughs> South America. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, we've been in, uh, I think my, my good fortune is that my wife speaks a very acceptable Spanish. Yes. Which has enabled us to go to a lot of places that the ordinary tourists, uh, just, just, we've been like, Costa Rica, uh, in Mexico, of course. Uh, we've been in Ecuador, uh, and uh, here, there, and everywhere where they find they find a, a place for a, a couple of t- tourists that can speak two or three words of Spanish with uh, some skill. Yeah, and uh, and I find it again if if we go there and we do that, we're very warmly accepted by the lo- lo- locals. It's a, a wonderful experience. Well, you seem to have warm 
experiences no matter where you go, wherever. You've been everywhere, South America, well, North America, Africa, Asia, Middle East, and you certainly embody the spirit of the uh, world citizen, I guess. You know, you don't get trapped in a bubble. I remember the words of Mark Twain. Yeah. Who, had, who by history, uh, he went around the world twice after having lost all of his funds uh, in a bad business deal. Mm. And he said, anybody who's been around the world twice is not a, pre- a prejudiced person. Yeah, he said travel, again, I'm paraphrasing, but travel is the antidote to prejudice. Of, of course. Yeah, you get to know people, you get to know their cultures, you see that really we're very similar throughout and we just want to be who we are and and it, and, we, and you can relate. It, it's really nice. Now, a few years ago, you all, the folks sitting in this room, traveled together and you all went on a fabulous trip and Marlena I want you to get on the mic as well I know it's hard because there's only one mic but you can swing it around you all went to Sicily together to visit Marlena's family my mother was along with you guys she's not in the studio today but I'm sure she's listening hi mom how did that go do you want to relate any stories any stories about this fella also uh, in celebration of his uh, big day oh wow what an amazing life-changing experience to share that with Cousin Alan and Cousin Charlene and your mom, Cousin Bunny, uh, and Stuart. My family in Sicily embraced all of them. And by the time we left, everyone was hugging and kissing and crying and decided that they're going <laughs> to be friends forever and adopted family members. That's that's what I understood. I mean, my, my, I know my mother was uh, corresponding for some time, probably still is, and sending photos back and forth and stories of the family. And h- how did it go traveling together? Any kooky stories? Oh yes, I wasn't there, <laughs> oh but I love anything appropriate to share. Oh sure, <laughs> um, a lot of kooky. Everything was kooky because you know. This is the Finkelstein and the Steen family. <laughs> yeah. He is part of it. And I love it. I love it. Um, right from the beginning, I, I think we all fit in because one lovely story about love is that the way uh, the trip's logistics were, I went ahead and spent a week with my family, and then all of my Sicilian family and I drove to the airport to meet Bunny and Char and Alan and Stuart. And by the time they all came, we must have sat at the airport for six hours waiting for each of the planes. And then my family drove us for two hours to the uh, villa where we were staying and wouldn't leave until we um, were settled in. And that kookiness was first the love of giving so much. And then secondly was to see Charlene Steen in action because the (laughs) villa didn't exactly look like what was described in the PR information. I see. And she has been a guest on this show as well. Mm. And I think folks maybe got a sense that she knows what she wants. She goes (laughs) for it and uh, makes it happen. So there's a story here about... Oh, there's a story there because we walked in and our jaws jaws dropped open. It was described as having four bedrooms. (laughs) And... When we walked in, they said, this platform is bedroom number one. And it was like a platform suspended by steel chains with a curtain <laughs> that your mom, Bunny, slept in. And then the rest were similar. In the My mother is adventurous. She uh, is. That doesn't surprise me that she would take that. She is. And we yeah. had to take, um, literally, like if you imagine a ladder, mm-hmm. the only way to get to the top floor where we were sleeping was to climb up a ladder and figure out how to get the suitcases. So it just went, uh, we were in gales of laughter. It was hysterical. That's funny. good that you could have a good 
good attitude about that. I'm not surprised. I, I know you guys travel quite a bit too, but these guys, I know, having been around the world, you have to learn, you know, you have to cope because that's part of the thrill of travel is uh, things are different when you get to other countries and cultures, you know, that might very well mean a bedroom to them over there. And to us, we have a different standard, but you just, you roll with it. And you, what can you do but laugh? It's true. And just and enjoy the experience. I'm thinking about when you say laughter, yeah. highlight was yes. being in Agrigento in the Greek ruins. There was a sarc- sarcophagus on display yes. and uh, Charlene Steen was throwing her voice, so it appeared as if there were a person inside the sarcophagus, and it was worth everything to yeah. see passing people walking by and staring and looking and stopped in their tracks. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Charlene Steen, who, by the way, just to recap, and most folks know this, so Dr. Alan Steen, who's sitting here, and his lovely wife, Charlene Steen, this is my aunt and uncle. I don't know if I said that at the beginning. I may have. So Dr. Steen, you and my father brothers, Stuart here, your first cousin. So I grew up with these people and Charlene, my aunt Charlene, since she was a little kid has been really a, 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 an amazing world-class ventriloquist who has appeared in radio, TV, all kinds of good stuff as a, as a young performer. And so I am now picturing her and I'm thinking about to, uh, birthday parties as a kid and she'd perform and some kids would run out screaming. They were terrified by this, but I was thought, I was got a big kick out of it, but I'm only picturing her making it sound like a voice is coming out of a tomb in Sicily. <laughs> were there people around? What were the reactions? Oh my God. They were all coming around. They were beginning to take pictures. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a moment in time where we made friends with a lot of people. <laughs> friends or who knows what. <laughs> Put away for witchcraft. Who knows? That's great. Oh, if I could have been there. Is there a video of this? Anybody uh, snap a... No, nothing. Shaking head. Lost to the ages, but right here in the memory banks. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, what about... Should we shoot back? It looks like you wanted to say something, but Stuart, can we go... Way back, you have known Dr. Steen when he was Alan Finkelstein, even, probably. You probably came onto the scene just about the time he changed his name. Doctor, I call you doctor. You're my uncle, but I call you doctor. I figure you went to all the trouble to earn that title. I'm calling you doctor. Well, call me anything except late for dinner. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> yes, uh, you you changed your name from right. Finkelstein to Steen when you were quite young, maybe about 14, which I would imagine is about the time you were born, Stuart. Yes. About that time. Yeah. What prompted the change, and how did you do this, and why at that young age? I don't know. I, I had experimentally for about six months used that name. I was thinking what the name would look like on a billboard. I wanted a short, snappy name. And the Dutch Steen sort of just uh, appealed to me greatly. I, ga- I gave it a whirl. And the, the reason I changed it legally is my, my father's lawyer said, well, is he signing that, that name on contract? But what kind of contracts? I mean, why, were you, why would you be on a billboard? Why would you be signing contracts well, as a kid? Well, I was a, a, a professional musician. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, they... Uh, <laughs> The, the, in those days, I mean, my father suggested also that you know that to, to, to there would be no mistaking. We sign a contract, right? And my father's lawyer said, "Well, if that's not his real legal name, if he wants to use that now, he's going to have to change his name." So we went before the judge, 
and uh, voila, in about a few milliseconds, I, my name was from Fickelstein to Steen, and that's what I used my last two years when I went to high school. Uh, okay, so you're already gigging as a 14-year-old professionally, and you decide to shorten the name, make it a little easier for the, for the billing. I got to ask your parents' reaction to not only you going out on gigs at such a young age, but also changing the name. My father, uh, I, I asked my dad, as a matter of fact, was, does that bother the, you that I will do this? He said, not in the least. Really? I mean, he was a great businessman. He was oh, probably he was thinking a, in those terms. It's probably good for your career path, I'm guessing. I, I never got to meet him. but Well, at that particular age, I was earning, as a musician, more money, a salary, than my high school teachers. Oh, my goodness. At the age of 15, I could have gone out in the world and rented my own apartment. I bought my own automobile. I bought my own clothes. And so f financially, I really was not very dependent uh, on my parents. And I sort of became an independent agent because uh, they didn't support me really in reality. Wow. Uh, and, uh, so that, that begs the question, what types of gigs were these? Question number one. Question number two, you can answer in either order. What was the automobile you bought? It was a Chevrolet uh, with a vacuumatic drive. I do remember that. Stuart just gave me the hand signal for a 51. No? Uh, I, can't, I can't. But all I, all I know is that it was my car, which I called Robespierre. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, I was loaning my car to too many people. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a good time Charlie, and uh, I wanted to be... <laughs> you know, friendly with all my buddies. Yeah. So I w w went ahead and did that. It must have been a 40-something, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, uh, 51. Was it 51? Was it, I, can't, I think that's about right. All I do so know... You're a little it, older when you bought the car. All, okay. I, all I know is it ran like mm -hmm. an oil clock and gave me absolutely no trouble whatsoever. And uh, it was a lot of fun because a lot of the kids did not have their own cars at that age. No. Oh. Uh, you don't know this, but... Uh, in my earlier life, oh, when I was just four, <laughs> when you were five, when you were four, no, I mean, this is pretty early. We're talking about just fourteen years old. Okay, I thought that's uh, where we were in time. Okay. Well, uh, well at that time, uh, I lived. I was born in 1928. Yeah. So I lived through the Depression. Yes. And I lived through the whole Second World War. At that time, all doctors were taken into the army virtually. And in a city of 37,000, which is Rock Island, Illinois, mm -hmm. there were only three doctors. So oh. only, only emergency work was, was done. However, in the previous few months, my grandfather, who was a physician, uh, had a, 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 a very severe heart attack. Mm. And his cardiologist said to him, well, you can't, you can't drive a car anymore. He said, well, what am I going to do? My phone is ringing off the hook because there's no doctors. And so he said, well, get someone to chauffeur you about. Aha. Uh -huh. And guess who the chauffeur was? Yours truly. Young future Dr. Steen. Indeedy duty. Uh, so he must have had quite an influence on you if you went into well, uh, medicine. Uh, well, I went, I went to the hospital for rounds. Yeah. I w In those days, doctors made house calls, believe it or not. Yeah. I would take him out to the house calls. Also, I was invited in to a, sur a spe special surgical room in the hospital where the nurses watched procedure, 
And when I was five years, five, five, five years before that, about, I can't remember. I'm getting mixed up here. Don't ask me what I had for breakfast either. <laughs> uh, my point being that I, that I had an idea what my grandfather did, but, but now day in and day out, I was with him. And maybe that inspired to me it. to become a doctor. Yeah, and I think we talked a little bit about that path in one of the previous episodes. What were the gigs? I want to go back to that question. When you were 14, 15 years old, because I'm, I'm you know, were they, were they savory? Were they unsavory? There's a lot of paths you can take as a small town piano player. Well, I guess it depends on Not your that small town, I guess. Kind of a medium-sized city. Depends on your definition of savory. Well, uh, because your uh, definition. Well, uh my dad would drive me before I got my license to, a, he thought I was playing a dance uh, in the Veterans of Foreign War Hall in Davenport, <laughs> Iowa. Yes. <laughs> but across the alley from the uh, the uh, Veterans of Foreign War was the Liberty Burlesque House. And, uh, Uh-oh. Lauren, you might need to put earmuffs on now. <laughs> My, Lauren, Lauren just left the room. He doesn't. He doesn't want to hear any about burlesque. But okay, go ahead. Anyhow, no, no, I'm I'm still here in the studio. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, my point being is, uh, I was very good friends of a marvelous tenor sax player yeah. named Gus Chrysopoulos. Uh-huh. And Gus and I played in another band called uh, uh, a club date with Augie Martel's band, and but he got me. He was ahead of the band at the burlesque house. Uh-huh which is now, incidentally, a, a Greyhound bus depot. Uh, but he got me the job. I was the youngest person, obviously, in the band. And uh, I, l- I learned the scores and all that. And I worked in burlesque uh, when, I, when I was under 15 years old. And what, what, what type of acts were you accompanying? Well, anything they could get, they were very cheap. They anything that that, that I was, uh, anything they that they put on the stage, they expected some kind of an accompaniment. M- many of the units which came in from booking agencies, they okay, brought blah, the, blah blah blah. Just get to the meat. Well, tell me something exciting. <laughs> well, what did you see? <laughs> well, we saw what they call <laughs> shtick. You know what the word shtick is? Oh, do I know what yeah, shtick is? There, there are about I'm the king 60, of shtick. There are 60 standard shticks that are the same thing. And usually they're performed by two comics mm-hmm. and what they call a talker. Yeah. A talker's a tall lady, nice looking, usually with bleach blonde hair. Yeah. She did not strip. No. She played in the shticks. There was classic ones like taking this case to a higher court or show me the way to Flugel Street. But all comics knew them. Mm-hmm. So if one got sick, the agency could send out a new comic overnight. So you saw some shtick. Well, I saw you accompanied of, the shtick. And I saw eight women called The Line who were about a combination and some of the ugliest people I ever saw in my life. But they, <laughs> they didn't strip either. They just, what they called dancing. Okay. And then, but now we come to the stars. There were two strippers were really outstanding. Do I need to now caution any parents listening with kids or do they need to turn the channel or... I turn saw, it down. I don't want people to turn the channel. So make it, make it PG. PG. Well, there's a wonderful act called by Lois DeFay, six foot four of loveliness, as she was called, <laughs> and uh, she she did a thing uh, where she had a, a, a relation, a friendly relation, okay, uh, with an ape. 
Which was what, uh, 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 she was wearing. Lauren, what did I get myself into this morning? No, no, no she, she, <laughs> I have no comment. She, Thank you. She wore half of her body was her costume, and half was an ape. Uh, oh, she herself was she half was woman, half, half ape, and half ape. And what was the what was the act? Well, we won't go. No, okay, never mind. Really because don't. that we After the Hayes office might close us down. So. Yes, but that, that was a lot of fun. That was a job where we just laughed almost continually because everybody was telling jokes and having a wonderful time. I'm sure it had no impact on you for the rest of your life because you're one of the most humorless, uh, unadventurous people I've ever come across. <laughs> My point was that was a, I, I never told my parents what I what I went across the alley to to work the Liberty because uh-huh. I don't think they would have been very happy. I, I wonder. I always told my dad that the band that was playing the, the so-called dance, yeah. they were very liberal with, with a good, very good salary for me. Mm-hmm. But I did, as I said, I lived very high in high school, and I. Uh, I had a marvelous time, a very good life. It sounds like it. We're going to talk more about your life, and I want to maybe go to Stuart and hear some early remembrances of uh, you, Dr. Steen. we got to go to commercial, but we'll be back with uh, Dr. Alan Steen and cousins Stuart and Marlena joining us here on the occasion of uh, the good doctor's 90th coming up in a few days. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa Valley At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and Fairfield. And streaming live around the world at KVON.com. Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. That's right. Anywhere you can get the uh, free internet, free and accessible, you can get our show at KVON.com. And via the Apple iTunes store, just look for Judd's Napa Valley Show. We've got, I think we're closing in on a couple hundred. We've got a few back episodes to uh, publish and then we're we're getting getting kind of close. Yeah, well, we actually have some uh, lost episodes that still need to be aired. They've been it, locked in the vault for too long, Judge. We'll make a big What's deal about on? it because there's some good ones. I want to mention we had Barry Martin, uh, of course, precedes me on this station, and uh, this is going to be cool. He talked about this. I'd like to mention it again. This is something he is directing, and it's coming up Saturday, June 16th at 2 p.m. It's a matinee over at Lucky Penny Community Arts Center. Mary Shelley's Body, The Life, Loves, and Secrets of Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. We all know, of course, as um, the author of Frankenstein, as told by her ghost. Kind of cool. If you'd like to go, it's free. Can you believe it? But reservations are recommended. And you can go to LuckyPennyNapa.com to find out more about it. We are sitting here with my Uncle Alan. Dr. Alan Steen, you've brought along your cousin Stuart and cousin Marlena visiting from Chicago. They're here. You've got a big birthday coming up, so the family is converging. It's great to have you back. And Stuart, we didn't hear much from you earlier, but I would love to get some remembrances. Now, you're quite a bit younger, so by the time you came along, he was already into his professional music and kind of gone and out of the house. So you want to tell me about reconnecting? And Well, uh, we reconnected 
I would say when Alan was in his 40s, um, and uh, the relationship has grown over the years. I think Alan would agree with that, um, uh, particularly after your dad passed away. And uh, we have traveled together. We've, we've gone to uh, – taken two vacations together. And uh, it's been a it's been a blast, and I've over I would say the last fifteen to twenty years we've become very close. Yeah, and you, and my father, were close. Um, I mean, close friendly, but also close in age, uh, right about yeah. the same. Yeah, I'll try to shorten this, but yeah, your your father and I were first cousins, but we were more like brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I spent uh, almost every other summer, sometimes two in a row, mm-hmm. uh, w- with Arthur, your father, yeah. uh, in Rock Island. Yeah. Now, you, you you were kind of there towards the beginning of the, the winemaking, right? Well, like actually, your father, your father and I made the first wine that Ar- that. Arthur ever made. Uh, there was <laughs> a vi- there was it. a Concord vineyard that your great grandfather had uh, near your home, and Arthur one day said, "Let's make wine because there was all kinds of winemaking equipment in the garage." So I got to ask you, what, what, when are we talking? How old are you guys? Uh, we point? were thirteen. Thirteen years old. This is in Rock Island, Illinois. In Rock Island, Illinois. And you come in from Chicago to a visit. I, 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 I stayed the whole summer. Oh, okay, you're there yeah. all summer. Yeah. And he gets this idea to make wine. There was winemaking equipment in the garage. There, Who, there, was, there was everything. Wine? There was there was a press. There was uh, everything you need to make wine, including the the grapes. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who and maybe uh, Uncle Alan, you can get in. Who who was making wine? Who had this equipment? Doctor Friedman, your great grandfather. Your grandfather. Okay, so this is news to me. I know he was a doctor. I know he was uh, you know very well respected man about town. Mm. I didn't know he was making wine. Oh, yeah. This is a new layer. How long have we been in this business? And this is now coming up? Well, the family... Don't go anywhere, Stuart, because I want to hear this story of winemaking. Yeah, but my grandfather worked for the California Wine Company on Ashland Avenue in Chicago in the 1890s. This I know because we have a signed letter with that letterhead from 1895 that he had signed. But I just thought he was retailing the stuff. I thought he was... You know, just a, a merchant. I didn't know he was making well, they, this stuff. They sold wine-making equipment in this organization. Ah. And so he knew all, all how they worked and it would instruct some of the people from mi- Middle Europe who would – they used to ship Zinfandel all the way from California to Chicago. Okay. It was a very hardy grape. And they, yeah. And it would hold up. And they would come and buy wagon loads of, gra- of grapes and go home to their basements where they made wine. Okay. Okay, so flash forward now. We're probably in the uh, mid-1950s or so. And yeah, probably you and 1954, my dad, 55. Okay. And you and my dad get this idea to make some wine. You're your, young your teenagers. Dad. Trust me, it was your dad. It was dad. my dad. Okay, it sounds yeah. like him. And uh, we, we went to the vineyard and we picked, there were lots of grapes, lots of grapes. And we made a barrel of of Concord wine wow. that summer and uh, pressed it. And actually, your dad put in a little bit of sugar, so it hastened the uh, process. And To I, get it more alcoholic or to yeah. actually sweeten the final? I have flavor. no idea. Maybe a little of both. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and at any rate. Uh, <laughs> but he we, knew what to do. All right. We made it, and uh, he put it in the cellar. And uh, I called him in, I would think, 
December or January uh, to see what was going on with the wine. And I said, is it or isn't it? And he said, it is. Wow. (laughs) And and that was his first wine. And how was it? I'm sure. I mean, well, of course, being the young teens, you would have never tasted it. No. No, (laughs) of course course not. How was it? I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> we were in Chicago. You actually never got to try it? No, you no, just no. Made it. I ha- uh, and I have no idea how what happened to it after. Uh, uh, I'm sure Arthur tasted it. Well, that's a great Your story. Dad. You know, I I didn't know that story, and that it's just remarkable having been in this wine family, wine centric family for as long as I've been alive. It's about the time the family got into wine. We can go back to some past episodes with Doctor Steen here, folks listening. Go to the iTunes store, look up uh, Alan Steen at Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can hear kind of the the process throughout some of those episodes. But throughout all that, I, I had never heard that at age 13 is when he made the first wine back a- in Rock Island, Illinois. Yes. You were there at the birth of this. <laughs> and look, here we are in Napa Valley talking on the radio. How about that? <laughs> well, well yeah. yes. I, I tasted it. Oh, you it got remembrance. It, well, it was very, very sweet. Mm. Uh, the the uh, they really uh, well they were not really experienced uh, winemakers <laughs> but uh, but it was zero is uh, Stewart saying yeah it was acceptable to drink believe it, it or not yes I believe it he had a certain intuition my father about these things which you know served him well throughout his uh, winemaking career not only uh, intuition though he was a perfectionist I mean yep. every little detail I mean that's that what what makes great winemakers. You know, that makes sense, too, because prior to becoming a winemaker, as everyone in this room knows, he was an architect. And that precision is what is needed and gets kind of gets drilled into you as well. So it works for winemaking, too. Now, you got to taste it. So at that point, you must have been in your mid-20s, mid to late 20s, where you already, you must have been visiting from either... I don't know at that point, were you in the Army? Had you already become a surgical resident or a... No, uh, I was in the Army. Uh, I joined the ar- Army uh, with, without much acceptance uh, when I was a fresh... When I quit my f- freshman year in uh, college, in uh, medical school, mm-hmm. the, uh, I, had, I was a biochemist at the University of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, my point being is they, when I went to medical school, the draft board uh, said I was prolonging my graduate education and then took me in the draft. Right. Okay. So that how's that? You wonder why? I well, I'm just wondering at what stage, like had you had much exposure to wine at that point in your life? I don't know if the army in the 1950s had a sommelier or <laughs> or what, but you know when you came back to try this one, and I know your folks didn't drink, so there wasn't that exposure at home. So when you tasted this wine, what what was your base of knowledge at that point when you had these first timers making Concord wine? Well, my first experience is I got away to college, yeah, and I went to a wine tasting mm-hmm. in college. I had I had up to that point consume sacramental wines, you know, which were not of the highest quality. And <laughs> I, and I really didn't like them a, a lot. But then I went to a, a real sophisticated wine tasting, <laughs> and I said, boy, this is real good stuff. Uh, and yeah. uh, I, w- I was introduced to wine drinking and tasting 
while I was in college. Okay, so you, you had... I had some experience, Exactly. Of so, uh, which I loved, of course. Right. Uh, so when you had a sip of this Concord basement wine, you had it, something it, to compare it to. And well, it, when you it say was, it was acceptable, it was to a, a somewhat educated palate at that point. It's like comparing a Model T to a Cadillac, if you know what I mean. I suppose I do. Uh, at any rate, uh, well, I was hooked. Uh, and I, to this very day, they could, t- they, they could take away my distilled booze, but don't take away my wine. <laughs> <laughs> and folks listening, don't take away his distilled booze either. He really does enjoy that. <laughs> you are one of the founders, I should mention, of Napa Valley's Cocktail Appreciation Society, FOAM, Friends of Ardent Mixology. I recall that was, well, I recall we hatched a plan in December of 2004 and about a month or two later, we sat around the table in your home, right. and we drafted the uh, the charter for the organization. God. And to this day, we still have regular meetings to which you uh, always attend, very sharply dressed, because not only are you Napa Valley's most um, entertaining and intriguing character, but you're Napa Valley's most sharply dressed person as well. I think that you were voted that. So you, yes, you attend all the cocktail functions, Natalie attired, and uh, speak with some authority, and that's always a good time. So yeah, don't take away his spirits. Maybe <laughs> wine is number one, but we wouldn't take away your booze. Well, I, I adore, uh, I adore well-made alcoholic beverages. Sure, there's so many that some the, the uh, on the market that you have to become a, a selective buyer. Oh, of course. Well, there's no doubt. And, and you are. I've seen your collection, and you've been very generous sharing it, and I thank you very much. You, I credit you with many of my fabulous bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> the, the enjoyment of the finer spirits and wines among them. Oh. Um, how to trim and light a cigar being another one, uh, on and on. But I seem to recall, I think this was your, your 50th birthday party was at my parents' house. Maybe you had several, but this one, remember there was a gathering and I was a very young kid of, uh, well, I would have been five. I would have been five years old. And they asked me to get people drinks. If somebody wanted to drink, just bring them a drink. And I don't know if it was you, but somebody asked for a beer and I brought a glass of ice and a beer. (laughs) And that's when you instructed me that beer doesn't normally get ice. And then you started showing me the proper... Uh, ratio of uh, vermouth to gin, and then you started teaching me how many coffee beans go in the sambuca. And you know, very young age. So, I, I want to thank you for that. It's it's brought great uh, pleasure to me in my life. We have just it goes so quickly. We only have a couple minutes left. So, if we can do one of these corny things where I say, now you know, on the eve of your ninetieth birthday, if there's any wisdom you would like to share, anything that has served you well through life. Um, that you can sum up in about a minute or two. Things that have brought you to this place, brought you enjoyment of life. Because you are one of these guys who's the epitome of the jet set bon vivant. How, how do you do it? I b- believe in what my father instructed me in a very young age. You treat the other guy like you ought to be treated. Yeah. So then you'll have no problem whatsoever. I mean, be, be kind as my wonderful nieces have to say. And that's, treat the other fellow like yourself. You got nothing to worry about. It's, there's so, 
be considerate. Look at it, look at the situation through the other guy's eyes as part of your thinking process. Yeah. And I think that's been my my motto and my way of living all my life. Uh, I've I've had many patients that when I was in in medicine that uh, said we like to come here because you take the time to talk to me. I think we don't talk to one another enough. Uh, instead of an informal cocktail party about really deep stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the way to run. I've tried to run my life. Uh, I think I've been fairly successful. I would agree. I would say, and, you know, my wife and I and others that know you talk about this, and that is, you know, you are who you are, and we know several other people of your you know generation your age born within a year or two the same and there are some of them whom we've known you know family friends or relatives or whoever that we have known pretty much all our lives and to us these people have always been old people if you know what i mean i say in that sense like these are old people and they have been since we've known them in their 40s you know and yet you have never put out that vibe. You have a wonderful uh, gift to enjoy life and exude that exuberance and enjoyment and bring people in to share that with you. And for that, I'm very thankful. And I'm very grateful to be your nephew. So thank well, you I'm very, very much thankful for, for you for saying that because that's the way I've tried to pattern my life. And I, and I really appreciate you saying that. Thank well, you. You're welcome. To celebrate, I brought along everyone's favorite. We don't, we're not going to, I'm not even going to ask if you go nuts for donuts. I know you like donuts. You've been on the show. So we have some lovely donuts here. Lauren, would you do the honors of opening that pink box and offering these around to everybody so we can celebrate the birthday here in studio? Turn that around, would you, Lauren? And guess what, Jet? Yeah. I don't even have to break out my... My trusty pocket tool this week to open the box. Yes, we engineered it for easy opening. So we've got which uh, doctor? It's your birthday, so why don't you go? Which which one there is your uh, your favorite? This is my absolute ultimate favorite. I can't see which thing. one you're picking, but I, I was careful. I think I knew which one it is. You got it. Which is that? A the sticky bun. The sticky bun. Dr. Alan Sticky Bun Steen. That's what we call him. Oh, I love these. All right, everybody, please take a donut. On, on this note, I just want to say thanks so much, not only to uh, Uncle Alan, but Cousin Stuart and Marlena joining us all the way from Chicago, sharing some remembrances and being here for the great occasion. It's an absolute pleasure. This is one of my favorite things to do this show is because I get to sit down and talk to people as well. So thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gilamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.